Good morning, everybody. And happy Memorial Day to you tomorrow. And this is also Ascension Sunday. How many of you knew that? Thursday past would have been the 40th day from Easter when Jesus ascended back to the throne of his Father and sat down on the right hand of God. Last week I announced that uh, today we would have a legal update, but there hasn't been anything happen yet that's noteworthy. So we're going to put that off if that's okay with you. And hopefully by next week, there will be something to update us on and the relevance and the importance of that. And I do believe it is important that we stay on top of those things and what it means both to us as people, individuals, and as a church. And since we have our own built-in source of information, we'll take advantage of that when we can. This morning, I'm going to be reading for just a few minutes in the book of Joshua, chapters 3 and 4, a couple of scriptures out of each of those two chapters. So if you want to get prepared with Joshua 3, we'll start with that. And Father, this morning, I ask you to quicken this word Lord, it means to make it alive in our hearts. Make it alive as we read it, as we ponder it, Lord, as we consume it. And I pray, Jesus, that we would just lift your name in our hearts this morning as we're doing this and hearing this word. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> as you know, tomorrow is the last Monday in May, and that's when we celebrate Memorial Day, and as Don said in his prayer, it's a day of remembering and mourning the loss of lives that men and women in our U.S. military gave when they died during service. We unofficially also observe in the month of May, earlier in the month, the Armed Forces Day, which remembers those who are currently serving in the military, and then of course in November, we celebrate Veterans Day for anyone who has ever served in any particular time period in the past. Memorials were also very important to the Lord. He often appointed a physical place with markers, even of stone or other materials, to mark an event or a place. He set up feasts and sacrifices as memorials so that the people would remember what happened on those days. In chapter 3, verse 13, God spoke these words to Joshua. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. And verse 17, And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over the Jordan. 
Wow. As we know, this is not their first rodeo in crossing raging rivers on dry ground, for they had just experienced the Red Sea crossing just before this. And when the toes of the priests touched the water's edge, now these waters were flooded. The Bible says that it was harvest time and that every year the Jordan River floods its banks for miles during harvest time. And that's what time the Lord chose to cross the people over the raging flooded Jordan River. And the Bible said, as soon as the priest's toes touched the water, the water stopped coming into the Jordan, and the Lord pushed back those walls of water, and they stood for the people to cross on the dry ground. Interesting that the Lord chose this time for this event to happen. The Bible describes how far up and down the river extending from the city of Adam, which was by Zeraton. I didn't know that there was a city of Adam, but the Bible does speak of it. And it was next to the city of Zeratan. And the Bible says that the waters rolled back from the city of Adam to the city of Jericho, a span of 30 miles that the hand of God held back the waters then the Lord, when the Lord uh, said to Joshua, it's time to call the priest out of the riverbed after all the people had crossed the river, as soon as the priest's feet touched the dry ground that was non-riverbed dry ground, the Bible says the waters came back together. Isn't that interesting? The priest's toes told a story here. When they touched the waters to go in, the waters parted. And when they touched the dry ground coming out, the waters came back. What a miracle our God chose on that day. And the Bible says that God magnified Joshua that day in the eyes of the Lord, just as he did in Moses as Moses' replacement. In chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, we're going to look at that for just a minute, God told Joshua to set up a memorial in the camp. Once all the people had crossed over the Jordan, God instructed him to choose 12 men, one from each tribe, to go back into the middle of the river to the very place where the priests feet stood firm and from there gather up 12 stones and carry them back on their shoulders. Obviously these were boulders. These were not little rocks they could carry. They had to carry them on their shoulders and take them back to the campsite at Gilgal and set them up there as a memorial of their crossing. This was the first night spent in the promised land. And God memorialized it through Joshua by setting up the stones that the priests were standing near in the riverbed. Joshua 4, 9 and 10 says, And Joshua set up 
12 stones in the middle of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the ark of the covenant stood and they are there unto this day. For the preach, priest which bear the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua. That is an important statement. Until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak unto the people according to all that Moses commanded. And, excuse me, and to all, yes, Moses had previously spoken it. Sorry, I'm getting my Moses and Joshua's mixed up here. And the people hasted and passed over. So then once again, God told Joshua to pick 12 different men whom he'd previously prepared. So he'd already chosen 12 out of the midst of the Jordan where they were standing now he's calling and those stones got put in the campsite but now he's calling 12 different men and said go back to the place where the priests were standing in the Jordan and set up a memorial, a memorial there also and put the stones right there in the riverbed to mark the spot in the river two memorials of the same miraculous event, one in the river and one in the campsite that God had performed, but they had different purposes. God said to put the stones in the campsite and teach your children and teach your children's children. When they ask about what does this pile of stones represent, you teach them down the generations what these stones represented because God wanted to memorialize it. And then the other memorial set up in the riverbed itself, marking the very physical spot where the priest who bore the presence of God in the ark stood during the crossing. I read that this, these 12 men were types of the apostles in the New Testament who, like these men, set up a stone memorial, but the ones in the New Testament had a memorial of a different kind. They partook of the Lord's Supper right along with Jesus, which was done in remembrance of the Lord's death and burial and resurrection. What a beautiful type and shadow of the Lord and his miraculous event. It wasn't the stones that held back the river's raging waters. We know that. It was the mighty hand of God. But these stones were a visual reminder to the people to teach the generations about the great event and the mighty miracle that God's hand had done. Nor is it the elements that we partake of in the Lord's Supper, neither the wine nor the bread, but they, they don't save us from our sins, but they are reminders to us and they are symbols to us that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And the memorials were to teach the children. Think about this. The children weren't there. They weren't even there. Jesus, or the Lord said to Joshua, 
for the future generations to know. They weren't there to experience. Oh, but he wanted them to know what had happened to their ancestors. And it would give them faith and confidence when they came across a Jordan River to cross. Well, I can't do this by myself, but my ancestors, God delivered them and he made a way for them to cross. So when they faced something bigger than they were, they had a memorial to look back to and remember. Joshua marked the spot in the, in the river where the priests had stood holding the very presence of God. This was a type of Christ in that the priest offered animal sacrifices, but Jesus himself offered his own body. The priests were never allowed to sit down and rest because the people kept sinning. So there was a constant work for the priest to do in offering the sacrifices to constantly pay for the people's sins. And remember verse 10, I said, make a note of this statement that Joshua had the priest put those stones in the river where they had stood until everything that the Lord had commanded was finished. After Christ's sacrifice of love, what did he do? We recognized it today. He ascended back into heaven and he sat down at the Father's right hand, proving that he had accomplished everything. Everything had been finished just as God said it would be. He finished all that was necessary to pay for our sins so he could return to the Father, having completed his assignment. Proverbs 22 and 28 says, Do not remove the old landmarks which your fathers have set. Landmarks have a meaning God thinks they're important, and we need to do that also. I want to tell you about an odd landmark in my life. You might think it's odd, but turns out it wasn't so odd. And you can be thinking about one for yourself, because I'm going to ask you if anyone wants to share a landmark that happened in your life that you would like to memorialize. When we were girls... My mom did not want us in the kitchen while she was cooking. It was a one-woman show while the thing was going on. But boy, when she was done, in the kitchen, girls, go clean up the mess. And she was a messy cook. She did not clean up, you know, do a little bit and then clean that up and do a little bit. No, it wasn't like a tornado had happened in the kitchen. And on Saturdays, when we were young teenage girls, these girls' age, it was our job to clean the house on Saturday mornings before anything else could happen. It was our job to clean the house. Now, you have to realize Jan, she's not here today, is almost seven years younger than me. So if I was 10, 12, 13 years old, she was a little, little toddler kid. She couldn't do a thing. So it was Terry and me who did the bulk of the work. 
I do have a point here. <laughs> Stay with me just a minute. So Terry and I would split up the house. I would take the front half, the kitchen and the living room primarily, and Terry would take the two back bathrooms and the, my mom and dad's bedroom, and of course we were expected to keep our own bedrooms cleaned all the time. The landmark might be said that the cleaning was the landmark, but it wasn't. It was what happened during the cleaning. My dad and Don Dryden, who went to this church for all my life until the last 10 years probably, were very close friends, and they loved to go to quartet singings. In those days, the, the um, Chuck Wagon Gang, I think they were a trio, um, the Stamps, and uh, I, I, I'm drawing a complete blank. If you can, the Blackwood Brothers, Statesman Quartets, all those guys would come to town, and Don and Daddy would go to listen to them sing. And they bought records, and Daddy would bring home, every time he went, he would bring home records. And on Saturday mornings, I would put a stack of records on the radio or on the record player. They had a big console, as big as this thing, big console record player, and it had stacks of records in the in the cabinets in the in the front. And I would stack them up and put them on the record player and start playing those records. And I would sing my heart out with those records playing. Terry couldn't hear them. She was in the back, and she wouldn't have paid attention to them if she did hear them because it didn't mean anything. But to me, this is a landmark in my life because from that, I learned harmony. I learned fill-ins on the piano. I learned all kinds of things from cleaning the house while the records were playing on the record player. And I'm not the best cleaner in the world, but I'm a pretty good one, because I had to do it, I had to learn, and if we didn't do a good job, she'd make us go back and do it again. We had a, my mom was a pretty um, trendy, <laughs> trendy homemaker. This was back in the 60s and 70s, and we had an all-avocado kitchen. We had avocado stove and oven and refrigerator. And in the living room, which was my domain, we had an avocado shag carpet. And you know what you had to do if you had one? First you vacuumed it, and then you raked it so it would stand up pretty. So I spent a lot of time in there, in my landmark, being fed through the Holy Spirit, listening to these words of God, all of this music, and it developed me, and it sunk in, and it stayed with me, and it served a purpose, just like the Lord told Joshua, 
Teach it to your children and your children's children so they know. And that's an important landmark, I feel like, in my life because it shaped me and gave me a skill to work for the Lord that I have been blessed by. And that's the landmark I wanted to share with you. Does anyone else have a landmark you want to share that you can go back to? Father, we're so thankful that you care about memorials and landmarks to go back to and refresh and relive and experience your miraculous hand throughout our lives. God, I pray this becomes so real and so visual that we watch for landmarks in the future and we can look back and say, oh, how God used that. Oh, how God planted this in my heart and it grew and it produced fruit for that's what we want to see, Lord, your miraculous hand moving among us. Oh, God, I praise your name. I lift your name, Lord, that you made a way for your people, that you created miraculous events around them, and we look to you today for the same thing in our lives, miraculous events that we can put a name and a place to and say, this is what the Lord did, and we can teach it to our children and our children's children. Father, I pray that you go with us this week. I pray, Lord, that we do remember all those who have lost their lives in service. God, it becomes so real when our country is so teetering on a precipice, Lord, that we don't know what's coming around the next corner, but we know who holds tomorrow. And we know who holds our hand. And we look to you, Lord Jesus, to lead us and guide us every step of the way. Keep us in your care and your protection, O oh God, as we go through this next week. And we will come again next week, Lord, rejoicing and singing songs of praise and glory about our Lord God. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen and amen. <laughs>